0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. I'm your host Ayush, founder of Pesto. For this episode, I have Sid with me. Sid is the founder of Circle.so and he's a friend who, you know, I've been hanging out with for quite some time and his journey of how he got started is one of the most insane founder journeys which I've come across. Sid, thank you so much for taking our time. Welcome to the Startup Line Podcast. Hey, what's up, Ayush?
1: Thanks thanks so much for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, 100%. I know before Circle, you were working at Teachable. Would love to start with the story there. And, and Teachable is where you met your co-founders as well, right? Um, how was it like building Teachable for five years into the company it became later on? And um, you know when did the idea of Circle came about?
1: Yeah. So um, just, just to set some brief context, I'm a two-time immigrant. I was born in India. My parents moved over to New Zealand when I was 10. Oh wow! Um, I got into tech at a very, very early age. So I actually had a, a blog that competed with uh, TechCrunch, Mashable, ReadWriteWeb way back in the day. Um, I was also Mashable's first writer, by the way. Um, and I started building products after having written about uh, like maybe 3,000 startups um, on the blog. Um, I'd write five to six posts every night from New Zealand. And New Zealand's time zone, by the way, worked very well because it was daytime in the US. So, you know, my journey really started uh, back in New Zealand when I started building products. Um, I actually sold that blog, uh, got a commsci degree, uh, and then I immigrated over to uh, the US when I was 20. Wow. Uh, my parents, by the way, were super confused. They, they're like, you know, hey, we put in all this work, all this effort to in moving to New Zealand, which is literally heaven on earth. Uh, you know, why the move. But for me, it was all about being at the center of uh, technology. You know, all of the entrepreneurs that I wrote about, nice. um, the the startup ecosystem, all of that was in the US. Um, and then when I was in the US, my second job, so my first job was a seed state startup. I was like the first end design jack of all trades hire. That startup did not work out. But I think I, I learned probably the most in my life during those um, two years. Yeah. Um, after that is when I joined uh, Teachables. I was in the Uh, founding team um, as one of the first engine hires. I was the first designer. Stayed for five years. As it happens in like hyper growth startups, your your, your role changes every six to nine months. So I went from, you know, engineer designer to lead designer to product manager to VP of product. Um, And then about five years in, um, you know, we were at this very interesting juncture where I thought Teachable was doing reasonably well as a company. Um, You know, we were now at maybe $25 million in ARR. And I felt like I was at this very interesting time um, in my career where you know, I thought a lot about, you know, why did I even move to the US? Why did I get into tech, right? Is it really to be a uh, VP of product at an amazing company, but that constraint always kind of like was at the back of my mind of, didn't I put in all the work to immigrate to the US to actually be an entrepreneur, to start my own company? Uh, and additionally, I had the constraints, which is, you know, by then I had a wife, I had a uh, four-year-old daughter. And so I couldn't really like leave my job uh, overnight and to, and just um, start my own company. So, so that's really where like the kernel of um, doing the next thing um, started for me. How important
0: it is for uh, people early on in their careers uh, to take up challenging roles like this, where, you know, the startup is like small enough where you can get that flexibility and um, you know has the potential so that you can actually make meaningful impact as well like if if there are young people who want to start up let's say in future what's your take on it like your experience
1: yeah so i think it, it really depends on how you're hardwired like for me i've been actually a founder ceo since i was 14. <laughs> even when i ran my blog i did payroll management for five writers um who wrote for me internationally. Uh, And I don't know if everyone's wired that way, right? But for me, it was like, it was always the default, kind of always thinking about, you know, how to start a company, how to grow a company, you know, um, how to make a meaningful impact um, in the world, right? So when I joined Teachable, um, what I told him was, look, I'm not the best designer that you can hire. I'm not the best engineer, far from it. Uh, What I can tell you is, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And what I want from Teachable is to learn all of the skill sets, to learn from you, uh, to learn from the team, to go through a journey. And for that, I will work the hardest with all the skill sets that I have. I will do uh, whatever you need me to in any role. Doesn't even have to be engineering and design, uh, even though that's what I'm good at. So I was very, very open minded with that because I really saw all of this as a learning experience. And I didn't want to be boxed into, okay, that's a, Senior front end engineer, or that's our designer, right? And that lent itself very well to product. And I also told Encore that, hey, eventually, maybe in a few years, if you know things work out at Teachable, like I may want to get some product experience. I was like, because the thing that I want to do after Teachable is start my own company. So ideally, this would be my my last job. And to find someone who uh, trusted me uh, with that. Like with that in mind, right, all the trade-offs of I'm not the best designer, I'm not the best engineer, I have a lot to learn with, okay, here's someone who wants to grow and develop and will, will give it his all. Um, and for me, it's like if, you, if you're in your early 20s and you do want to be an entrepreneur, you do want to make an impact, you want to be, not going to lie, like financially well off, you want to capture the upside as well. If you want to do all of those things, there's nothing better you can do than to put yourself um, in one of these roles with extremely smart people around you and really challenge yourself to pick up new skill sets, like not box yourself into one or the other, uh, and then and then see how things unfold from there. Because in, initially, of course, it's very, very hard, right? We're all trying to make our role work. But uh, once you get into the hang of it, I think it really teaches you to deal with anything that comes your way, which is I think probably the number one thing that we all need to uh, hone in on as uh, entrepreneurs.
0: Were you you liquid when you moved on from Teachable? Uh, I'm not sure if the exit happened before or after you moved on or? That's
1: a great question. Yeah, so you know where I found myself was, okay, we were five years in, I was in a great role. So VP of product is a great role, um, especially for someone who started as engineer, designer, will do anything. But from a financial perspective, um, being parents in New York City with a daycare to pay for and even like a, a very like standard one bedroom apartment, it's like, it's costly, right? For me, it was like, it was such a given that my equity and teachable will amount to something eventually. That <laughs> Honestly, I didn't think too much about not being liquid uh, until I was like five years in and I was like, well, if I, if I want to leave this job and start my own company, I'm gonna need a personal runway, right? And how do I do that while I don't even know what I wanna work on exactly? I don't have a an idea, I don't have a team, I don't have anything, but I, I, want, I know that I wanna take on this journey. I think the solution that I developed is kind of interesting and may, may help some folks um, to think of this as an option. So one of my dear friends is uh, Sahil uh, uh, Labingia. Uh, uh, who's now the CEO of Gumroad, and I've known him from way before Gumroad. You know, we were both the same age, approximately. We were both teenage hackers uh, back in the early days, building um, uh, products and posting them on Hacker News, that kind of thing. Nice. And when did you when did you meet him? Did did you did
0: you guys connect like during your time uh, as a writer? Yeah.
1: So actually, so we met in person for the first time while I was uh, at Teachable. He actually visited us, and he knows um, Encore as well. So. We met in person then, but we'd, we'd known each other and we'd you know, chatted on and off for, for years, uh, maybe since 2009 or something like that, right? And so he was one of the people who came to mind as um, someone to talk to when I was in that, uh, at that juncture of like not knowing what to do. I had this chat with him. I was like, yeah, hey, I don't know what to do. Um, here's where I am. Do you have any advice for me? And uh, what he suggested was, why don't you let's say leave your job at teachable consult with me uh at gum road um essentially engineering and design work for let's say three days a week we're remote international we're extremely flexible and you can work on your own ideas you know mm-hmm. uh, two days a week and so that just felt like a win-win so um i essentially took that bet um and that gave me the financial stability to still have money coming in while yeah. i now had unlocked time to work on the next thing. But I'm so grateful, um, will always be to Ankur and Sahil for, for giving me those opportunities. Really, there wouldn't be a circle without uh, without that, uh, because it's during those months in uh, 2019 when mm-hmm. it's when I grouped with uh, two of my co-founders, um, mm-hmm. Andy and Rudy, uh, and just briefly about them. Uh, Andy, someone who, I've, uh, who I knew from, uh, known from uh, Teachable from very, very early on, um, he joined about when I did. He was Teachable's uh, VP of Growth and Marketing. So he had a very similar journey to what I did, except nice. in the um, you know marketing and go-to-market domain. There's overlap on, let's say, the business and the, the financial front, but really like go-to-market, sales, marketing, customer success is his thing, product engineering, company culture, fundraising. That's kind of my thing. Uh, and we'd always, you know, we had a joke that we've always wanted to recruit each other. So like, it's about who's going to recruit the other person first. Nice. <laughs> uh, and, um, so separately, I had my other co-founder, Rudy, um, who also has a very interesting journey where I'd known him from before the teachable days. Um, we built stuff together and he, I've always seen him as like my product soulmate. So him and I, when I get in, when we start talking, we can deconstruct <laughs> products, businesses, Uh, And that's just our passion, like just going very, very deep into the nitty gritty. And the great thing that happened um, after um, his stint at Teachable is he actually became a uh, consultant to about 30 course creators. So he became their fractional CTO, which means they gave him access to all of their problems, to their entire tech stack. And he had the insider's perspective on the customer that we were building for at Teachable. So He was the one who was educating them to, you know, set up your landing page, build a funnel. Here's how you should structure your course. Here's what you should use for X, Y, Z. And so when we started talking after I left Teachable, I was like, we, we have to build something together because, like, it, it fits perfectly, right? He's got yeah. the insider's perspective and he knows yeah. them and they, they trust him um, uh, greatly, his clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and meanwhile, we have Andy over here who's our sales marketing person. And i'm kind of the jack of all trades so uh rudy andy and i started working together um you know about two days a week uh we would hop on like 10-hour zoom calls and we would deconstruct uh <laughs> entire products and so we would just read a lot about it screen share start signing up for products and then maybe the next day it'd be like okay we should maybe talk to someone so we'd get on a call with one of our contacts or someone we've known or reach out to someone and say hey can you explain to us you know, what you do for, for, for your, um, uh, how you manage your financial stack. People are so nice to us. I still remember like the kind of conversations we'd have zero agenda. It was just, we want to get to know you and we're working on something. We don't know what it is. We just want you to teach us, uh, and be as transparent as possible. And I assure you, um, you know, we'll, we'll pay you back one day for, for, for your help.
0: This is also, uh, happening right
1: after COVID, right? So
0: a lot of people. Yeah, actually, yeah, this, this was right before.
1: Right before Yeah, this is 2019. Oh, right so. before
0: COVID. Wow. That's yeah. even better. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, we, we went through several ideas, but we would always come back to this one, which mm-hmm. is why isn't someone building the ultimate community platform from the lens of a uh, creator? Mm. Really, that's, that's what inspired us to think about building Circle in the initial days. And one thing Rudy and I did was, you know, we both have families and stuff, right? And um, as an entrepreneur in the early days, you need to go all in, and so we decided, okay, let's let's get a an Airbnb in uh, Venice Beach in uh, uh, in LA, and let's just like code fourteen hours a day for like six days and build something. Like we'll have something at the other end of it, right? And so we did that, uh, and I hadn't told uh, anyone else about this idea other than of course um, Rudy and Andy and the people that we were talking to. And so finally we had some semblance of a prototype. So someone could actually sign up, build a community, yeah. you know, set up um, what we now call spaces, uh, make mm-hmm. some posts, et cetera. I messaged the prototype to Encore. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. here's a link, uh, what do you think? Yeah. And um, again, once again, his response validated that because he was like, this looks sick. You should build a company around this. So stars essentially lined up and this is December in 2019 when we said, okay, Um, Like, I'm going to just go all in. Um, You know, we have at least on course 250 and Conrad's uh, 100K, if nothing else, we have a year to build as just Rudy, Andy and I, right? Got it. Uh, And the craziest thing happened after that, which is I met someone in New York City. His name is Brian Tobel. I pitched him the idea just at a bar. He was, I think, on his fourth startup or something like that, third or fourth startup. His response was, "This is so great. I'm gonna make you intros to ten seed stage angels that I know uh, mm-hmm. in New York City tomorrow. You're gonna close a one million dollar seed round within a week." Uh, is what he said, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are you saying?" I was like, "We, we just, you know, we, we got we got the three fifty in the back. We maybe need five hundred for like a year's runway for the three of us. What do you mean a million dollars?" And he's like, "Nope. Like, you've got this." Uh, Look out for intros too and these people did become investors like uh, box group um david tish uh notation capital nick Charles, and a whole bunch of others and you know i came away from it i told rudy and andy hey i met this guy and this is what he said uh next day nothing crickets Mm -hmm. day after that in my inbox are like 10 intros and this is like we're going into christmas now in 2019 I just start talking to them. And then one after another, they're just committing like, oh yeah, count me in for 50, count me in for a hundred. And then an inflection point happens when uh, Nick Charles from Notation Capital Mm -hmm. who led our pre-seed said, you know, we want all of it. In fact, um, you know, we want to, we want to like 10% ownership in your Mm pre-seed. And I said, well, there's just, we're oversubscribed. And he goes, how about you increase the, uh, the post money uh, cap? And, And take the rest from us i think they invested about seven percent uh and so first week of january it's like all of this has now come together now we have a prototype we have um money in the bank we've gone full-time and the end of january i was so so happy that we actually had five paying customers onboarded to circle um we had you know last thing i did like last week of january was build the, the 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 billing on stripe so we could actually charge the mr for me, it's like even the $1 million that I, or one and a half million I raised for the pre-seed round meant that this is real commitment. Um, you know, I'd never seen that much money <laughs> before. So for me, it's like, I've got a hundred X this at least. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's a real, real commitment. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so just a couple tips I'll share for anyone who finds themselves in this situation is number one, start sending monthly investor updates. Uh, with your revenue, with any and all progress. I think that really did keep us accountable, continues to, I still send monthly investor updates. And then number two, you know, I was a product bench guy. I didn't know customer support. I didn't know finance. I didn't know operations. But all of it, I'd say I learned um, in that first year because I was doing all of, the, all of the roles. So, you know, I would do about 10 demos in the morning. Um, Andy would do about 10 demos. Uh, and then I would build, Rudy would build. And then... While we were building or towards the end of the day, I'd get into like customer support mode and then I'll mm-hmm. I'd answer all the tickets. Uh yes. and then eventually you're like, well, it'd be so great to have one, just one dedicated person on CX. So yeah. I wouldn't have to do like all the tickets. Maybe I could do half the tickets. Yeah. Um and then on the finance side, you know, getting a um a contract CFO involved, who's also the contract CFO of Gumroad, I'd highly recommend um early growth services um as an example mm-hmm. where just day one, just set up all of the books for us and so we were you know we were legal and we, we had one fractional adult in the room looking after the looking after the books uh and then very early on i hired um uh, an amazing chief of staff his his name's Karthik uh mm-hmm. and i was able to start to delegate a lot of the the ops to him you need these kind of people i think in the in the, in the early days who we were strong generalists were very committed to making something out of nothing uh yeah. and can wear a lot of hats uh, who were the first five people you hired and,
0: you know, what kind of people you would hire as like your first five hires?
1: In general, the, the generalist uh, trade is important. So I think our first hire was Keisha, um, who's now our head of customer support. So she now runs a 15-person customer support team. We had um, a guy named Puneet, who's now our uh, principal engineer, um, the architect. Um, again, I, I always knew that I was not the best engineer. So, you know, I'm the MVP Hack something together, type of guy. Um, yes. So thankful that today, all, all of the code that Rudy and I wrote in our first couple of years has been rewritten by much better engineers. And honestly, it was, um, I think our first 15 hires, most of them were just um, senior engineers. Because in the, in the early days, it's a lot about just building the product itself, right? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you have a baseline, you have some features, but you know that. You're competing with other products with like 10X as many features as you. Even to be in the game, you just have to play catch up. You know, I'd always known Andy as one of the most exceptional uh, marketers. This guy can grow anything from zero to million AR. Um, The product literally doesn't matter. (laughs) And so the deal that I had with him is we're not gonna do that. We're gonna build a product. Every single customer will have to be hard earned. They're gonna have to be onboarded by uh, me or him. And we're going to get all the tough feedback. We're going to see churn as a result. We're not growth hacking anything. I think our first thousand customers, the only way that you could even get access to Circle is um, through a demo call and sales process with with me or Andy. I think that was a great call because that forced us to be very accountable to the product itself, to the fundamentals. Having that constraint in the first couple of years really set the DNA for, for what Circle would become because all of the attention was on the product, Mm -hmm. and customer feedback. And by the way, that also helped our um, growth in the initial uh, year, which is we had certain customers like Tiago was one, David Perel, and Laura LeCunff, Ben Tossel from MakerPad, where because they were having this extremely high-touch experience with the product, where they saw a lot of their feedback shape the product and were as passionate about it as we were, they talked about us a lot. <laughs> they talked wow. to their friends. Nice. A lot of their friends happened to be creators. They talked on Twitter. So that loyalty really set us off the ground because you just needed like a Ben Tossel with MakerPad to, you know, tweet about us or tell one of his uh, yeah. no-code buddies to then start a community. And then, um, you know, soon enough, we had multiple like many communities with over a thousand members nice. on Circle just through that initial seedling of of the few customers that were getting that that amazing experience even though the product didn't have all the features that they needed yeah they were just seeing that extremely fast iteration cycle uh which which made all all the difference
0: that is is quite phenomenal let's let's talk about fundraising what's the what's the right way to get uh, to structure around today um if you had to start today and and how should people approach it people who are not who haven't been founders before right like first time founders um what should be their approach towards fundraising
1: so assuming you can get past the pre-seed part, right? So pre-seed part, I actually don't have much advice for because to me it all felt like <laughs> it was accidental. Or, but also, like, I guess I had some track record at Teachable, which helped. You know, I had Encore as a first check, which helped. So like, all of that was very hard-earned, but like, I, I don't think it was very intentional um, on my end. It was just things were happening and we got extremely lucky. But let's say you have that initial push and you now have a product. Um, one thing that I think really helped us get the seed, which was, I think, a $4 million round at a 40 mil um, valuation. Uh, and for context, our pre-seed was 1.5 mil at a 10 mil uh, post. Um, so one thing that helped with the latter round was we, as I, as I mentioned, we were essentially in private beta for, from Jan to September, right? Where you had to get the demo, there's a wait list um, and everything was um, extremely high touch. And so, the reason we were in private beta is we weren't confident that if we made the product self-serve that people would get an insane experience um right and so once we started to feel good about that now it's not going to be an incredible experience as as it used to be but it's going to be good enough uh is when we planned our um public launch um so you know your product hunt you know your your, your tweets hacker news um just getting the word out there, there that this is now available because we had a bit of word of mouth going for us thanks to the you know the, the experience that their early customers are getting with us and then this event happened which got some attention and so I realized that okay here's an opportunity where I'm not gonna have to build interest there's already so much interest uh and we have validation um right we we got to I think 500k in ARR just through that process of one demo after another the high touch wow. uh, process in, in how much
0: time it was this like later... uh, in
1: seven months Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, And so we got to that. So I was like, okay, there's something here. And you know what? More runway would help. Now I can build out a real edge team. Now I can hire, you know, maybe three or four support folks. Now we can hire someone, um, you know, to lead the people team, finance team, build out real marketing functions. So um, what happened was because that interest was built up, my job was then made easier, right? I didn't have to like shop around for a round. There's a lot of inbound. And then um, a thought that I started to have was um, instead of doing like a, a very institutional seed round where you have, you know, one lead um, who's putting in most of the cash and then you're filling that with other angels, what if the round was essentially like, you know, you still have someone putting in a million bucks. Um, so Encore as an example and Notation Capital as an example. So they put in mm-hmm. a million each, but, but the rest of the round was extremely um, split into um, groups of, Founder CEOs, who are also angels, oh, um, customers and creators that were using Circle, um, and really anyone we liked or wanted to learn from. Uh, and so once I entered into that mode, you know, I just had 20 calls a week uh, with folks. Um, and I, I was vetting them at this point because I, I then had the commits from Notation and Encore, God who also, yeah. um, you know, were involved in our pre-seed round because they now wanted to top up. Uh, and I gave them first preference because my thing is, yeah, these are the guys who backed us when we had nothing yeah. and I Excellent trust thing. them. So, yeah. you know, gave them half the round and the other half was filled up very quickly by a group of about 20 um, angels. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that, again, that entire process took maybe three weeks. Got it. So that's awesome. One thing that I realized um, is actually important to optimize for when you are fundraising is like, you don't want this stuff to drag out extremely distracting like
0: yeah
1: uh, as the person who's very hands-on with product and engineering like yeah it really takes you away from um from that for a while yeah. right yeah. and so i've Absolutely. always had very condensed uh fundraising um periods of like just three to four weeks start to finish and it's all done um mm-hmm. and you know once it's it's always interesting once you get into the the legal side of things so once you have your counsel you know um, especially mm-hmm. with the price round, you um, know, the paperwork. I, I treat it like like I treat any sh- uh, feature that we would ship, right? <laughs> what's the progress? What are, what's the deadline? What are the dates? Yeah. Uh, and because it's so easy to lose sight of that because one thing I realized is all of that urgency has to be created by you because no one mm-hmm. else is accountable for that urgency. Absolutely, yeah. Everyone's also. taking it slow. Everyone's, you know, working at their own pace, especially the lawyers on both sides. Mm -hmm. and so it's the kind of thing you just have to get and say hey we're getting this done by this date you guys have to figure this out and let me know if that's not possible you know we'll find someone else to uh, be your counsel (laughs) Um, and that that really really helps because now you get back the time right because like especially in year one time is so critical a day a week is so critical and you want to be spending that on the product on recruiting not on um things like um Yeah, paperwork. Yeah. Sure. That's awesome.
0: But how was your experience of, uh, you know, uh, when, when the Tiger round happened
1: as well? Yeah, so um, in 2020, we went from, you know, 500k in AR in September, just from all the, uh, the demos um, and the uh, being in private beta to a million within three months um, after launch, right? So it was a great, great time. So we ended the year with Million AR, um, so about 12 months from founding. And then 2021, we went from a million to 4 million. Um, and so we we kept up a great pace um, and things were doing really well for us. And all throughout 2021, I had my blinders on with um, potential investors, right? I was talking to no one. I was just building product, shipping, getting customers, building the team. Um, and I did that until July. Um, and once again, you know, the more you do that, <laughs> the more interest that there is, right? Because yeah. I think the... <laughs> The, the folks in investing kind of talk to each other and they realize that, wow, this person is not talking to anyone. So that's a strong signal that they must have their shit together. Now, thankfully, I think it was true in my case at that time. But even if it's not true, you can actually leverage that to your to your advantage to build interest. You want them to come to, you don't want to go after them. And so what happened with Tiger is, you know, we were, I was getting these emails from um, some folks being like, hey, we've been contacted by like like our customers and some of our investors we've been contacted by uh, a research agency and they want to talk uh to us about circle i didn't know who was behind got it. it and you know, i tell them uh, please say no <laughs> please don't talk to them <laughs> and so that was happening throughout the year uh and eventually i got i got sick of it so i just told someone yeah just take that call it's all good it. uh and um yeah I was you know obviously these are 2021 20, times i think times are very very different now yeah. <laughs> but you know, it was a good time to, let's say, be raising a, an A round. So, yeah. uh, having said, having essentially not entertained any conversations during that year, I, I got an outreach from a senior partner, Tiger, um, his name is John Curtius, that name kind of stood out. I still ignored it. I was talking to one, like a founder, just like a very casual chat. And he happens to mention John's name as someone, um, who just had Tiger lead their A and he tells me, you know, mm-hmm. Tiger's amazing. Um, you know, they're so trusting and they're so like, no BS. Um, you know, they will back you on great terms and just kind of leave you alone to execute. All that sounded great. And he mentioned John's name. I was like, I think I've heard that name. And then I looked up yeah. my inbox and I had an email from John. I was like, oh, you mean this, you mean been, this yeah. guy, right? <laughs> uh, and he was like, yeah. And, and he's the one who told me, he's like, dude, you're, you're, you're crazy for not taking that call. Who do you think you are? <laughs> And so I was like, okay, I, I should talk to John from Tiger. And we had a great chat. You know, I told him everything about circle, the traction so far. And one thing he said to me is like, look, here's a, here's the deal. Like, we've actually done all the due diligence on you. You know, we've had folks talk to your customers. We're sold. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so we want to give you a term sheet. Um, and yeah. so a couple of days later, I had a term sheet. Really, I think what sold me on Tigers, they were just so n- no BS. Um, they yeah. just they like They were so trusting and they were like, nope, we want to back you. Here are the terms. And so I got on a call at the end of that week with John. I told him where we stood, which is, hey, we want to, you know, we like this, but we also want to give it some time um, because we're not we're not even fundraising. And basically during that time, John um, countered with an offer that was extremely hard to say no to <laughs> and i'd had that chat with um my, my <laughs> co-founders and um some of our yeah. investors like well what what is the offer where like we should just take that on the spot Got it. Uh, and john's offer was was that <laughs> Got it. and um you know it's a it was essentially 20 mil on a 200 mil um post money valuation oh wow. uh, something like 60x arr on incredible, incredible terms the yeah. most cleanest like vanilla terms that our counselor had ever seen. So that seemed like a no brainer. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. we, we, again, we closed that within a month, uh, following, um, it was all just paperwork after that.
0: Amazing. Uh, what would be your advice to founders who are starting today, um, to, you know, build whatever company that they're excited about?
1: One of my thoughts around all of this is it's never a bad time to build a great company. Um, you know, you look at when Airbnb and Dropbox were started as an example. Um, or when even YC was started, um, you know, those are some tough times. I actually remember writing about those times as a blogger. In 2008, I remember it was like, like, yeah, you felt like the world was falling apart. I even like I was in New Zealand back then. So I, I even remember thinking, like, should I just give up on my dream uh, to move to the US? Because it sounds like everything's done. It, yeah. Game's over. Uh, and that's when YC took off. That's when, you know, Airbnb, Dropbox, Uber, that um, caliber startup really took off. So I'd always keep that at the back of your mind, which is, you know, the macro should not dictate anything. Um, Mm -hmm. If anything, I think like there are some things that get easier with a tighter macro. For example, in our case, I find it to be great time right now to be recruiting for great talent. Um, You know, when things are tough and there aren't as many new companies Mm -hmm. being formed and Mm -hmm. um, there aren't as many competitive exploding offers going around, (laughs) you can actually get incredible talent right? So keep that at the back of your mind. And um, specifically what I want to say to like folks who may have been, may find themselves in the situation that I was in, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, you have a good job at a good company, and yet you have that itch to start your own company. The number one thing I have to say there is like, you have to take that leap. (laughs) Once I took that leap, I found that the ecosystem around me, all the contacts that I had, even the investors that I encountered, I mentioned Brian Tobel as a guy I met, um, for drinks for at a bar and, you know, he helped me raise yeah. the, the pre-seed All of these things came together uh, that I could have never planned for. Wow. And so I think once you take that leap, you then mm-hmm. put yourself in a situation where if you've done the work, if you actually have something going for you, you know, a lot of good things do happen, right? Um, and you have to operate with that leap of faith and, You know what? Whatever the challenges are, you have to know that, like, what most matters is you're actually now working on the right thing, which is, you know, if you've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, you're actually Mm -hmm. doing it, Um, and it's an incredibly hard thing to do, as any entrepreneur knows. It's like, yeah, basically, like one of the hardest jobs you can have, Uh, and yet it's so fun and so rewarding. And there's a lot of, um, lot of great things at the other end of it, right? The Mm -hmm. the journey that you go through to build um, a real company, the, the, Mm -hmm. the team that you recruit, the, the bonds that you create, the customers that you impact. Um, like it's truly, truly worth all of the discomfort and all of the hardships. Uh, and, um, so yeah, that, that'd be my one thing is like, you have to take the leap now. Don't be careless about it, you know, plan for yourself and how are you going to de-risk all elements of it? So you have to find things that help you de-risk, that entire experience. And then once you've de-risked enough of it, well, there's nothing but success at the, at the other side of it. Wow,
0: that's incredible. I, I just want to end on, on that note. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of that, Sid. And it's truly one of the most incredible stories. It was great having you on the show. And I'm sure like uh, if I was starting today, uh, just hearing this story itself helps me get some courage that, okay, there are other people who are also in positions like myself, right? So this was super helpful. Thank you so much for well, taking your time. Thanks so
1: much for, for having me on, Ayushan. Um, best of luck to all of the entrepreneurs.